I'd like to welcome everyone to another brand new episode of Talent Talks. Today, I'm joined alongside Anthony Harlan, founder and chief commercial officer of Not Actively Looking. Anthony, welcome to the show today. Great to have you on. Hi, Andrew. Thanks to thanks for thanks for letting me join you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, so it's a pleasure having you on, Anthony. And um, you know, we're gonna have a great topic coming up in this interview with the, you know, we're going to delve into the GDPR from, you know, search standpoint and definitely from, uh, you know, a firm that's representing the, the UK over there. So it's uh, going to be a really interesting topic and I'm glad we're really going to delve into it today. Sure. All right, Anthony. Well, first question. We've heard a lot about the GDPR. How has it come about and what's behind it really? Uh, GDPR is really um, an effort by the European authority to update some of the data privacy regulation. Um, if you think about it, the whole um, internet and organizations like Facebook and Google and stuff like that, everything has changed quite dramatically in, in the last 10, 20 years. And so hence there's a need to bring about a new um, data privacy framework so that there's more protection for the individual. Mm-hmm. And and what uh, the GDPR is really all about, Andrew, is it's about human rights for the individual. It's, it's the right to know what people are doing with your data and the right for you as an individual to dictate in some circumstances that you don't want them to do that um, or that you'd like to just be aware of what people are doing. Mm-hmm. But that's the background to it. It's really, it's really a piece of human rights regulation as I see it. Yeah, and it's uh, definitely something that should be coming up more in conversation, you know, not just in the UK, but uh, in the US as well and, um, you know, all all over the world because data is so crucial right now. And like you mentioned with companies like Facebook, having so much data, you know, you don't know what they're doing with it. So it's really important to know where that data is going and having the rights to have it be shared, essentially. I think you know there have been some major data breaches that have hit the headlines in recent months, and and there's also been some quite um, notable cases where organisations have misused personal data, mm-hmm. and so I think that people everywhere are just becoming much much more conscious of data privacy, and so whilst I think you know GDPR is uh, obviously a pan-European piece of regulation, it covers anybody who's doing business in, in Europe. Um, I think what we're going to see is countries such as the U.S. Um, also adopting a new data privacy framework because I think it's just needed. It, it's off this time, and um, it may not come today, but I think it will come pretty soon. And uh, definitely, hopefully, it's going to continue to develop and uh, really evolve more. You know, it's probably it, it's in the early stages, and um, you know that's where we're going to you know go into the second question here, Anthony. Is that the GDPR? came into effect on the 25th of May this year. And what exactly has been the impact on the executive search industry so far? I think the the impact on the executive search industry has actually been quite considerable, and I think it will continue to be quite considerable in the future. The first thing is that, that search firms need to really think about the way they do stuff. Search firms need to review their processes, their policies and their procedures, to think about are we doing stuff in a way that reflects um, good data privacy? Because if we're not, then we probably need to change the way we do things. Very specifically, search firms have to review certain policies. You have to have a data privacy policy. You have to have a data retention policy. Those policies have to be accessible via your website and stuff like that. But, but you also have to um, think about how you're handling candidate data. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do it the way you used to do it. Uh, you have to notify people when you create a record, for instance. Um, you can't share details of individuals with your clients in the way that you used to. That's no longer consistent with good data privacy. And um, and so need to also look at that database because you can't just keep chucking loads of names onto the database um, and holding those names ad infinitum because search firms hold big databases and by and large a lot of that information is out of date, useless and frankly it's just it's not good data privacy. And that's definitely a good point because like, like you mentioned there's so much data that these firms are gathering and you know candidates that they've contacted but haven't really um, you know, they haven't connected them with a, a client yet. Um, so, you know, they're going through so many individuals and that data is being stored. And like you said, it could be out of date. It could be uh, just irrelevant after, you know, a year or so. A big database used to be something which was regarded as a key asset. I think now social firms have to ask themselves, is my database an asset or is it a liability? Mm-hmm. Because unless you really got some uh, good controls and, and you're really careful about how you store that information and what information you store, you might find that your database has suddenly become a massive liability. Mm-hmm. And so, so firms need to think about the information that they store. Why am I storing hundreds of thousands of records that are by and large out of date? You know, because we're entering the time now, Andrew, which I call the era of the self-managed profile. Mm-hmm. You know. Individuals want to manage their own data. They want to control their own data, and that is going to drive how search firms behave. Exactly, and that's a good point. And um, you know, that kind of goes into the next question, Anthony. Is you know, we we see the implications of this on you know search firms, but what is it doing to ordinary people who are out there just giving their data to all these firms? Well, I, I think Andrew that there is an awareness now, a much heightened awareness of data privacy. Um, you know, in the last few weeks, the last um, couple of months, we have been inundated with emails, often from organizations that we didn't even know were holding our personal data, saying, oh, by the way, you know, here's our data privacy policy, yada, yada. Um, and suddenly we're thinking, hey, you know, who is holding my data? Um, and as an individual, under GDPR, you have certain rights. So if you're a European citizen living in Europe, um, you know, you have to be notified every time somebody creates a record. They have to send you their data privacy policy, their data retention policy. They have to advise you of your rights under GDPR. You know, you have the right to be forgotten. You have the right to view the data that's being held and stuff like that. Now, at, at the moment, I don't think we've seen a lot of cases of people asking to see their data or asking for their data to be deleted or that right to be forgotten. But I think we are going to see more and more of that. You know, people care about personal data in a way that they never did before. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, a lot of the recent updates for a lot of these big companies like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, you know, they updated their data sharing policies. And, you know, I, a lot of people don't read those those things at all and uh, I feel like even with all the updates and the breaches of all this data I still think people uh, are ignoring to read those so it's uh, really crucial that now you know you you get more involved in where your data is now what effect will Brexit have on the GDPR it's interesting I mean of course the the regulation um, is something that's come from the European Union 
Um, but um, Elizabeth Denham, who is the Information Commissioner for the UK, has made very clear that uh, Brexit will have no effect whatsoever. So the regulation is being adopted in full. Um, so there is legislation in, in the UK Parliament to support that. So every single line of GDPR will become uh, or is part of UK law now, and therefore Brexit will have make no difference whatsoever. Um, and frankly, you know, the way I see it, actually good GDPR is good business. And therefore the UK has decided this is a totally appropriate piece of regulation. It's good for people. Um, it's good for the way that we handle data privacy. And, and therefore the UK will adopt GDPR in full regardless of Brexit. It'll have no difference whatsoever. And that's good. No, it's really good to hear, Anthony, and um, you know, having the GDPR stand on its own and have uh, have it be implemented in you know UK law is a really a big step for the whole um, the whole process and getting it developed and uh, really having it set in stone and then from there transitioning it into other um, laws you know in in other countries and other continents. So you know, getting it implemented in the U.S. after and uh, Asia, Africa, South America, you know, th- that's really where it needs to go. And it's all starting from right in the UK. So it's uh, good that Brexit's not really having uh, a strong effect on it. Now, last question, Anthony. How do you see the long-term changes that can come about after, as a result of the GDPR? I, I think there are changes kind of on two levels, I think. Um, one is that people are starting to recognize that data privacy is important. You know, if somebody entrusts you with their personal information, so, you know, this is information about me, about where I live, where I work, what I do, what I earn, what my salary expectations are in the future, um, what my career goals are, stuff like that. If people entrust you with that personal data, I I think that's really important personal data. You know, you can't kind of leave that stuff lying around. You can't kind of haphazardly hand that around to people. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I think, you know, from from a long-term point of view, I think um, organizations are just going to be much, much sharper about stuff. And um, that's going to operate two levels. One is if you look at it from a global level, I think individual citizens, people, the, the candidates that we deal with, they're going to be much, much more conscious of their data and how we handle that data, and they're going to make uh, demands of us as to how we treat them. Um, and I think also at the executive search level, I think um, search firms are going to tighten up in all kinds of ways. So, for example, like the way that we communicate with clients. What kind of information do we share with clients? And at what stage do we share that information with clients? Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a, a trend, I think, in researchers to share a lot of information in a very, very open way and Maybe that was convenient for the search firm, but maybe actually it wasn't always what the individual wanted. So I think we had to kind of get the you know get the balance right there. Mm-hmm. And I see that you know the search firms are going to have to think about these big databases that they have. So I think there's going to be a move away from the big database. You know, I don't think there needs to be a big database in the future. I think in the era of the self-managed profile, these kind of candidate platforms like not actually looking are going to change the way that search firms operate. Mm-hmm. It's frankly much, much more efficient if you can go to one source and you get accurate, up-to-date information rather than relying on 
your database, which is by and large inaccurate and out of date, um, it's going to be much better to go to one candidate portal knowing that you've got the candidate's permission and that the data is accurate and up to date. So I think you know, there's going to be changes on lots of levels, I think, in the longer term. Yeah. I, you know, I definitely agree with you on that, Anthony. And I think, um, you know, everything is rapidly changing with not just in the search industry, but in all industries. And I think this will really help kind of regulate the rapid changes that have been going on right now. And, you know, technology is so key right now with every with every search firm. And, uh, you know, I also agree with you that the databases are probably going to be pushed out and be almost irrelevant because a lot of the data in there isn't being kept up, uh, you know, updated and, uh, you know, being being able to go out to that one source with accurate uh, information is going to be uh, probably the way to go within the next couple of years alone. Well, that's all the time we have for you today. Anthony, I thank you again for joining us. And, uh, you know, it's been a really great conversation. And I'm sure this is going to be a topic we're going to continue to touch up on. Uh, within this next year. Andrew, great pleasure to join you. Thanks very much indeed. Alongside Anthony Harling, founder and chief commercial officer of Not Actively Looking, I'm Andrew Mitchell, and this is Town Talks.